0: Yes, coming in hot with episode 12 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who's too big for a release clause, Jobber. <laughs> Hi, am. I
1: I, I'm, I'm great. Not too happy with the uh, Premier League over the weekend. But um other than that, Whoa, healthy... what's got you down, mate? What's got you oh down? we'll 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 get to it. We'll get to it. We'll we will, we will get there. But let's move on. <laughs> I don't want to get bogged down with my emotions. So Chelsea spent over two hundred million pound in our first Brexit summer. However, mm. they did not move fast enough to replace your idol Kepper. And he's since made it his personal mission to undermine Chelsea's Champions League push. So I was like Kepper's good for an error. He really is. But what was your favourite keeper error and why?
0: There's a rich history here, isn't there? There's a lot to choose from. Um, but I'm going to wind everyone's mind back to 1999, Manchester United versus Southampton. And as I, as I, I was Googling this um, from my memory to this game, I found it odd that Mark Hughes was actually playing for Southampton then. But anyway, that that's a side story. And, um so I, th- I think we're two one we're two one to um Southampton at the, at the moment and um Matt Letizia pops up and I don't know what you're thinking that he cracks one into the top corner no he scuffs one along the ground so this is going like snail's pace right and the best part of, the best part about this one that I picked is that um, for those listening you can play along with this one so <laughs> just picture this pitch yourself in goal and um and do as I say so uh, Mountain yeah, hits one and it, he scuffs it. It's rolling along the ground. It's rolling towards you, right? So put your knees and ankles, probably hips, width apart, and then drop down to your knees. And the ball's still probably five yards away from you, right? So everyone's on their knees. And then now lean forward and land on your elbows to scoop it up. And um, as it comes to you, let it go through your hands then through your elbows, then roll across your stomach and give you a little tickle, and then roll through your legs, past your knees, through your ankles, and then go so (laughs) slow that it doesn't even hit the back of the net. That's how slow it was going. Masamoto Taibbi, 1999. That's mine. What's yours?
1: <laughs> oh, So I can't remember the exact year, but um, it's good because we've both got Manchester United themes this week. So mine's more of just a hilarious series of events. So uh, Manchester United were playing West Ham in an FA Cup. I think it's a semi-final, but I know someone will write in and correct me because they tend to do that. Um, and Paulo Di has broken the offside trap. And do you remember Fabian Bartes?
0: it's funny you say this. I've got a point on this after you finish it.
1: All all goalkeepers are a little bit crazy. And as you're listening to this, you're thinking, that's not true. And then you're like, actually, every goalkeeper I know is a little bit unique. Um, So Fabian Barthez was batshit crazy. Like he was just so erratic. But he was an amazing shortstopper, probably due to his erraticness. Um, And canio has gone through and they think he's offside. So Fabian Barthez being (laughs) you know, two steps ahead of everyone else, sticks his arm up as if to say, yep, he's offside and sort of motions as if he's going to pick it up. And then Canio lashes at home. And everyone's like, mm. what is Barthez doing? And he's just walking off with his arm in the air. And they're like, oh, I think he forgot. He sort of needed to stop that. And then yeah. West Ham won. So it was just hilarious and he was so convincing, but he just wasn't offside.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a crazy one, Barthez, wasn't he? He... um So this, as I said, mine was sort of in my memory, but I couldn't remember exactly which Manchester United keeper it was. I just knew it was a Manchester United keeper. So I've googled it to work out who it was, and then all I get hit with from Google is just a plethora of Fabian Barthez Howlers. And it took me ages to find um Taibis, um, but yeah, anyway, I got to it. Keep digging but, um, through Barthez's errors, yeah, yeah, and there's some in there too. Barthez, um, the my favorite part of Barthez, and when I first really got introduced to him was the 1998 World Cup when um, uh. I think it was Frank LeBeuf used to come over and kiss his head before the start of, the start of each game, and then they used to pray together. Oh, so good.
1: Two things you don't see enough of in football anymore, and this is, I can say this with great evidence, is kissing people's heads um, you don't see enough, and someone going out of the tunnel doing the header. I want to see that again. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's too professional, you know, just yeah. a big centre-half. Like, I'd love to see... You know, Lewis Dunk, just tap his head on the top of the tunnel as he head down. Oh,
0: that's cold. Big week, though. What's uh, anything else exciting happen this week?
1: Actually, yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Um, (laughs) So probably one of my favourite footballers ever – one of the greatest pundits for his quirkiness, Um, Patrice Evra gave us a little glimpse into what Wolf Zaha's time at Manchester United was like. So if you haven't seen this, do yourself a favour and just watch the clip of how awkward the rest of the panel is when Patrice Evra says this. So Patrice Evra said, he was such an electric player and I remember what's real with his career at Manchester United. He had this true or untrue affair with David Moyes' daughter because I remember at the pre-season he was playing every single game but when the news came out he disappeared <laughs> and everyone awesome. on the panel just froze except for the the lady who was hosting she's like oh well we don't know about that and then just moved on
0: put a massive disclaimer in there oh. she she knows the um we're trying not to get sued here patrice yeah sky um, sports he, came
1: he, out and apologized later but my god that, that yeah. is that's box office <clears throat>
0: um and, and my, one of my other favorite Patrice moments is um just YouTube, um Patrice Evra and Chicken, and uh, you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it. <laughs> it's good. Uh, okay. So what we might do is move on to the flavor of the pod. So we have uh, Match Day 2 to review, Transfer Chat. It's been uh, rather big. Jobber's Mailbag. And Colo's Multi, we'll have to touch on that. We can't. Can't just breeze past that. We Can might we?
1: spend a little bit more time on Collar's multi. This, <laughs> just do a bit of a deep dive.
0: <laughs> no, you don't have to dive too deep to see it. But <laughs> well, we, so we might kick off with um, match day two preview. But where else to start? Then um, some are calling six pointer already. Chelsea and Liverpool. Did you watch this? And what are your thoughts?
1: I did. I happened to get myself up to watch the Kepa show. Um, Chelsea were actually doing okay in the first half, except for Kepa. Like, every the even before he'd uh, he'd given Mane a goal, he had a weird run out of the goal yeah, to try and yeah. get to us. And again, you're like, what's going through your head? And he, like, sprints out, and you can see he starts shitting himself on the way out, and he goes, I'm not going to get there. But then he, like, doesn't drop back. He's like, oh, I've committed. So then he goes again. And then, like... The, obviously, the talking point of the game is the red card, but I think that's his fault as well.
0: Oh, he, he created a little bit of confusion by coming out.
1: Yeah, he made Christensen panic, I think, because he's like, mm. oh, no, I forgot Kepa's in goals. Um, and then he, like, sort of just didn't know what to do, so he just ended up pulling Mane down. Because, like, at that point, Marne sort of going across, and Christensen would have been an outside chance to sort of block an angle or something. But as soon as Kepa comes out, like, oh, it just... I don't know what's going through his head.
0: Just a just bad decision-making. His distances were – judging of his distances from his line to where the ball was was just well off. So as you say, there was that one where um, he'd come out and the ball was sort of spinning away from him and then he had to retreat. And then there was one where, yeah, he, him and Christensen got in, got in that mix-up and Christensen pulled him down. But once Christian pulled him down, red card, you don't disagree no, with that? No, no. That was a red
1: no, I thought I thought it should have been a red straight away. I don't know, like I thought they would have given a red and then gone back to a yellow or something, but it did. Like it seems pretty obvious. He's not playing the ball. It fits all the criteria. Mane like so fast, so I doubt anyone's going to yeah. get across. Um, yeah,
0: I'd like to see him not pull him down and and see if yeah either Kepper can get something on it or at least push him wide and just say then Christian um, can get get back and try and block it on the line or something like that. It just I just think making the Pulling him down is just such a final decision. Like it really decided um, the flow of the game from there, because the game really changed from from that point. Don't you
1: think? Yeah. Well, I think if you have Keppering in goals, you have to make final decisions because you may as like it's it's like having a traffic cone in there. At least you know what a traffic cone's going to do. But look, outside of that, I thought Chelsea in the first half were actually okay. They were pretty happy to sit back. There wasn't a great deal of chances. Like Liverpool, the only time they really looked like scoring was if Kepper was going to give them one. Um, and eventually mm-hmm. he got his way. But I think but Liverpool the, had a lot of the first goal, go The
0: first goal was great though, wasn't it?
1: Oh, what Liverpool's a goal. First goal. What yeah. a goal. My God. If like if someone asks you to show them like what football should look like when it's played properly and you're like everyone just pass and move and a couple of touches and go, that is the goal you would show them. Like, just so silky. Salah and Firmino just knocking it around. Like, Chelsea just caught flat. And then Mane, like, the thing that impresses me about Liverpool the most, and it's constant, is just the work rate. Like, you can have the best players in the world, but Liverpool's work rate, especially in that front three, like, their movement is just so hard to watch. Yeah. And, like, Mane just, like, you know, he's in there. He's not necessarily involved in that particular play, but you know that he's sniffing around, moving, looking for the next step.
0: Yeah, watch his um, – an example of that is um, the second goal. So, watch it when Mane tries to slip, I think, Firmino through and he actually gives it away and then he it gets frustrated. He does this weird little like skip hop thing but then as soon as he hits the ground, he just sprints straight at Kepa. Um, Firmino goes to the left and takes the right side centre back and – um. Just kept um, the space on Kepa got closed so fast by Mane, and he got a foot foot in with his right foot, and then just smashed it home from a real short distance. So yeah, that that was the second goal and a bit of a howler by Kepa, but it was all made by just Mane's pressing. So as soon as Liverpool lose it. They just press so hard for the first two, three passes, and then if you can survive those first two, three passes, um, they'll they'll step back from there. But yeah, what? Go back and watch that for the for the second goal. But you know what I'm going to say oh, about I'm that? On the, what's that?
1: Kepa's just got to clear that.
0: Oh, oh. God, Let the Kepa! A bit. No, no I, Kepa, you
1: shit already, and you're low on confidence. Just boot it, like yeah.
0: Can... I, I probably agree with that one, especially when the I'm okay if he's trying to play a pass, but what he's trying to do is play straight pass. Um, to Jorginho, who's at the top of his um 8-yard box, and Kepa's on the six-yard box. So, it's and it's a straight pass there. So it's just so easy to read, and it was just telegraphed, really, really easy. But on, on the first goal for um Mane's header, what about Reece James's marking? So, um, some people saying that he couldn't have done much. Um, others saying that he sort of lost. Mane, once he stepped back and he could um, see the back of um, Reese James' shirt, he, he had him from there. But what do you think? To, should, you couldn't do No, I nah, should have done better. Yeah, 100% yeah.
1: should have done better. Like it, and that's the problem with Chelsea's wide defenders. Um, they're very good going forward, but I think they leave a lot to be desired at the back. That's why Marcus Alonso is being replaced. I think Rhys James has a lot to learn um, defensively, and I think that's that's a good lesson there from Mane. Like, That's one of the best players you'll face, but you've got to do better in defence there.
0: Yeah, so after the first two goals, um, Chelsea had a chance down the other end, and uh, a peno. Um, so definitely a peno for me, my boy. Just a little bit late there, and just um, clipped, clipped him. He went down, and Jorginho missed a, missed a penalty, which you don't see often.
1: No, it's his it's his first missed penalty outside of a penalty shootout, which is a great stat for Chelsea fans. Just to exclude the actual misses. Um, it's his first miss as a Chelsea player, and it was it was a good save, wasn't it? Were you checking? Alison's feet on a couple of replays just to make sure you were comfortable with where they were.
0: Oh, I was. I hit the pause button and then um, yeah, tried to change my angle a bit. So I was standing on my tiptoes trying to look down at TV, see if I could see um, yeah. a bit of <laughs> but a foot on the line. So, oh yeah, I can, I can I can feel the saltiness coming through the microphone from you. But yeah, no, um, I want my tape but, measure no, out good. at home just checking
1: that square angle.
0: Good, good, good save, and um, and that got it done for. For Liverpool, and I think that they look good. Um, I tip Liverpool, you tip Chelsea, so wow, you got that one wrong. Um, Did I tip Chelsea? I, yeah, silly, silly. Uh, I must have um, had my head in the
1: mailbag bag for too long again. <laughs>
0: so, that cheap glue, <laughs> the smell of <laughs> cheap glue coming through. Yeah. But, so I just want to cover Kepa a little bit more. Aren't? So De Gea, when he first came to the Prem, had some problems, and Men um, you had a chance to sort of stick or twist with, De Gea, so Chelsea, what do you do? do? Do you stick with him and try and ride this out and then get get his value back um, potent, potentially a bit further down the track because he is a bit young um, and if he can get through this spell, I'm sure that he'll go on and have a have a good career. Um, but I think if you take him out of the squad now and out of the team now, that's it. You, you're just never going to get him back. So... Chelsea and Frank have a real tough decision there. Um, what are you doing? Are you ripping him out or are you trying to stick with him? What do you think? Well,
1: I think, I think the Considering benefit…
0: Considering you paid 80 for him.
1: Yeah, I think the benefit that… Well, uh, I'll caveat this to say that Abramovich, like, money is no object. So, 80 mil, who cares? Um, but I think the difference in the situation was that De Gea was at United at a time when the club was rebuilding. So, like… They weren't, like, he wasn't costing them a title or a Champions League spot. He was bad in a bad team. Whereas um, his Kepa, Kepa is now, like, halting the progress of Chelsea. Like, Chelsea are trying to get into that sort of third spot and be the third best team and push for a title. And, like, if you look back over history, like, what, team, what successful teams do you know that had a keeper who threw a couple in the back of the net? Like, there's not many. Like Chelsea in the early 2000s had Peter Cech. Peter Cech was like renowned for his reliability, if nothing else. David Seaman his heyday for Arsenal, amazing. Peter Michael at Manchester United, and then Manchester United didn't recover again until they got Edwin van der Sar. Again with that reliability. So I think I think they've got to get. I think they've got to move him on. Copper loss, um, and I think they've already done that with um, with Mendy. Yeah, just mm-hmm. coming straight Andy. in, and oh. he's a monster. He's a big man, so he'll be a real physical presence, which Kepper is not. So,
0: yeah, so you you're moving him on um and you're just taking the loss on on that cash, I suppose you're just saying in that in this situation money's not really a thing, so so who cares? You you move him on and that's that. But yeah, yeah, I think if you move him if you move him to your bench, even if something happens to Mendy and you gotta bring Kepper on, he's just you'll be so shot for confidence um that you just you just never really be able to use him again. So I believe that they have to either bring Mendy in and just move Cabron completely, get him out of the whole squad or stick with him and try and ride it out and see if you can get to the other side with him. And if you do, that's, I mean, it's tough. As you say, he's going to cost you a bunch of points along the way in doing this. But if you do get to the other side with him, um, I think he's just going to be much better keeper for it. Like mentally, he's just going to be so much better. So, yeah, big decisions there for Frankie.
1: Yeah. Last thing about that. What did you think of uh, Thiago's debut?
0: Yeah, I think he looked looked pretty good. Um, he come on rather early. I'm not sure if Henderson was injured. He come on for Henderson I think he or was. he just injured? Was it? Yeah. So, but as soon as he come on, he just slotted straight in, and he was already running the game and was already like a pivot for Liverpool and everything. That was good, sort of come through him straight away. So um, I thought, I thought it was a bit clumsy, a bit out of character him giving away the penalty. Um, but I thought he was decent. What, what did you think of him? It's great to see him. He looks strong in red too. That's yeah, I, I
1: thought was, he was. Um, I thought he was okay. Like I think he did all the things that he should have done, except for give away a pen in a team that was already dominating possession against a team that now has ten players. I think everyone's getting a bit carried away with oh he's done this most passes whatever he expected to get on the oh. ball a lot I thought he was solid yeah. without being spectacular and like the, I think he's got a bit of work to do but like generally looked pretty good
0: yeah, no. I thought he looked good. I don't. I don't think anyone's saying that that was the greatest performance of all time. You got to be fair to him. It's his first game in the in the country, and his last game was um, a European Cup final where he's absolutely running tings, and he's probably only just sobered up from that. So yeah, I think that that's fine for a debut performance. Good to see the my new favorite player in there.
1: Now let's move on to the blue side of Merseyside So the league leaders, if I am correct. Hey, Carlo. What a bloody job he's
0: done. Uh, well, has he? He's, he's, he's got two games, mate. And hes they're not the league leaders, by the way. So, oh, but well, I'll move level. on from that. The they're Foxes, level, aren't they? are level are they they level, but yeah. the Foxes are on top where they belong. Um, no, a good game. Um, they battered West Brom. The first thing I've got to say about West Brom is what is that strip? Yuck. A yellow and green type setup. Honestly, when I saw that, I... I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Disgusting. It, that's a third strip. That has got to go. That's that's terrible. There's some bad third strips getting around this season and that is at the very, very top. That's horrendous. Yuck. Um, but I thought the game was bubbling along okay. Um, I thought West Brom weren't weren't too bad. I think you could see the class between Everton and West Brom a little bit early on. But what really turned the game was the red card from um, Fort Gibbs um, the Arsenal reject on um, James. Uh, a red card for you. I know it was a little bit oh. off ball. You didn't get a great angle on it.
1: Hundred percent, it's a red card. Red that, card, that's yeah. So disappointing from Kieran Gibbs too, because like there's a that's a team that like doesn't have a great deal of Premier League experience, and they're looking to Kieran Gibbs to be like, you've been here, you've sort of done it. Granted, you with Arsenal, but um, like you've been in the Premier League for, we're relying on his experience, and he does something stupid like that. Like, stupid and completely avoidable too, just after they've gone behind.
0: Yeah. The late tackle from um, James wasn't that bad or or late. Like, he just sort of bumped into him. Like, Gibbs played it on the inside to um, his left side centre-back. And then, yeah, James just sort of, like, bumped into him. He didn't, like, you know, go through him or anything like that. And he just reached out and and clipped him and and that was it. Red card. And then the final whistle went for – sorry, final, halftime whistle went and um, Bilic – into the, into the man in black, and then um, he got a strawberry as well. Off he goes.
1: Yeah. I, was, I, don't, I don't know what he's like, – what's he angry about there? It must have been something else. Like, how can you complain about that as a red card? Like, worst-case scenario for James, he gets a yellow, like probably a warning because um, there was just nothing in that, and then Gibbs – like, Gibbs had to go. There was no alternative.
0: Yeah, I, I, I saw him arguing. I don't know what he was arguing oh. about because I agree. Like, what's there to argue about? He put his hand up, clipped him in the face and and Hummers went down. I know Hummers rolled round pathetically for a little bit, but, I mean, it's still a red card. So, yeah. I don't know really what he's arguing about. So, he had to coach the rest of the game um, from the stands. But then, um, what about that free kick from Pereira um, straight after?
1: Oh, what a strike. That's the goal of the season so far. Great goal. Stunning. It was And I know Jordan Pickford's not a very good keeper anyway, but, like, that was unsavable, and the other yeah, the other,
0: it doesn't matter if you got Kepa in there or uh, <laughs> anyone. There's no one saving that.
1: Or Carl Walker. Um, so no, Dominic Dominic Calvert Lewin first Everton hat trick since guess who? Big dunk. No, Wayne no. Rooney. Was that? Oh, of
0: course. Yeah, when he went Halfway. back, but that's the second time when he come back. Yeah, yeah. what a hat trick that was too.
1: Dominic Calvert Lewin or Wayne Rooney.
0: Wayne Rooney, that was that. You go back and watch those three goals from Wayne, and they were unbelievable.
1: But Calvert Lewin, like, th- gets a hat trick second week in. I think he's a player who's going to really thrive under Ancelotti because Ancelotti will just whisper in his ear, give him a bit of confidence, maybe kiss him on the head occasionally, and like, I think he'll flourish.
0: Give him the Bartes treatment, and he'll, he'll be <laughs> just fine. He looked, um, he looked good. He looks dangerous when he goes forward now. Like previously, when I watched him play, um, he just didn't look that potent. Like. Every time he had a chance, it looked like he might have needed two, three, four, five chances to score one. But yeah, he looks a little bit more potent now and, and looks a big presence for them as well. So anytime the back four are in trouble too, they just clip it up to him and um, you can hold up the ball and bring others in quite well. Yeah, I, pro- I was impressed with him last week. And then, yeah, he's obviously done well with a hat trick again this week. But he is he, a big dude. Um, James, what do you think about him? Like, I again I just thought the praise that was heaped on him after this game was just way too much.
1: I thought so. it was a bit excessive. Um I didn't yeah. think I didn't think he was in the Everton's best two or three to be honest. I would like Calvert Lewin, I thought Richarlison was excellent and he looked dangerous every time he got the ball. So fast. Yeah. He is so and he's so well balanced too when he's dribbling. Like he's really mm. hard to get off. But the other two that impressed me um were Allen and Decore, Again, like that midfield is just like I was really critical of them. To like a couple of weeks ago, but Carlos has got that midfield so well balanced with Gomez, Decore, and Allen in there. And I thought Allen was amazing. Again, he's just like he always puts pressure on players in the midfield. And it's just like those one percenters that um, I think really help the team tick along and let James and Richarlison do their thing.
0: Yeah, they're obviously new signings as well. So Carlo's done rather well in the market and he's got them um, playing a tune for him. For him. Um they look rather good at the moment, Everton. Um, but what about West Brom? I kind of think they're in real trouble here. Um, I think that with Fulham and I think that with West Brom, I mean real, real trouble, as in um, the going straight down type of trouble.
1: Early how days, bad but are West uh... Brom?
0: I know it's early days, but they don't have any life in them. Like I can't see what's how it's going to. Like they just got absolutely battered five two. Like.
1: Yeah, it's
0: uh, Everton. <laughs> Billich losing his head. Yeah, like I I think Everton are going to be sort of mid to, mid to high table. But, yeah, 5-2, I just, yeah, that, that strip, Billich in the stands, things just don't look <laughs> good for them.
1: Yeah, and they don't really have like a great deal of quality to keep them up either. Uh, potentially there's a Charlie Austin miracle waiting them, but I, I don't think they're going to be very good. be interesting to see what. Branislav Ivanovic can bring like a bit of experience. Yeah. But, but he already yeah. had a pace issue when he left and he's only older now. So um
0: like and he's been bringing that good, good Russian volk out yeah. there.
1: <laughs> he, might, he might be so slow he's going backwards. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I think they're in trouble already. I know we're two games in, but the signs aren't good. Like I think if you're a newly promoted team, you really have to focus on being tight at the back before anything else. Um, and you see, we'll get to Crystal Palace in a bit, but, like, the focus has got to be on defending. Like, if you can keep sneaking nil or draws, that's great, um, and that'll sort of do a lot towards keeping you up, and if you can pinch the occasional one. But, yeah, yeah I think... Especially I think,
0: when you're not that potent going forward. You Like, clean sheets, are obviously, yeah, or at least only conceding one and giving you chance, your strikers a chance to score um, a couple and still win it is, yeah. 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 Um, What's going to keep them up or force them down? What Uh, game are we going to now?
1: All right. So let's go on to the uh, Premier League's excitement machine. Leeds 4, Fulham 3. When was the last time you saw a team have two, four, three games in the space of a week?
0: Oh, I don't know. don't know. I don't think ever from memory, but there you go. I couldn't find. Have you got one to one? I could not find that But Bloody stat man, mate! You meant to have this stuff. I know. Um,
1: So this one was this one was very very entertaining. So Fulham defence was um, becoming what is quite regular now. They were terrible. They were absolutely atrocious, and Leeds had a field day. Leeds should have put the game to bed much earlier than they did, and four three flattered Fulham. Um, If it wasn't for Big Metro, they they would have got absolutely battered. What you think? Yeah,
0: well, well, Fulham got the the um, sixth and the seventh goal, so it was it was four um, one at, at one point. Just just like West Brom, I, I think I really worry for Fulham. I think they're in real trouble. Um, although I see where Fulham's goals are coming from, unlike West Brom, whereas um, Fulham's defense is just so bloody shaky. They were horrendous. So what this, they've conceded eight in two weeks now that right uh, uh
1: no it's six isn't it's, it lost three nil last week and so no seven
0: four seven yeah. three, so, three, plus, seven in three, three weeks. plus
1: four is seven yeah, yeah
0: good <laughs> job um no so uh, they just yeah they they don't look like a premier league team for me good to see mitro start um he hasn't started a game since um he was in the championship he didn't play in uh in the playoff finals um all last week as well, but he came off the bench. But he started this week, got the armband and, and got a penalty for them. But, yeah, so for Fulham, I worry about their defense, but I do see where their goals are coming from. Um, Leeds are a bit blockbuster, though, aren't they? I really wasn't expecting this much from from Leeds, but they're an entertaining team to watch. Um, I just can't see that them going... Sort of too high up the table, anywhere near mid-table. Um, just based again on how many goals that they that they leak, but they just look really dynamic leads and, and nice and pacey. Um, Bamford uh, is um, the big of the bunch out of this game for me. I thought he played really, really well.
1: Yeah, Bamford, or, Bamford or Phillips. Um, it was it was a weird game too. In this, like there was a couple of Vardas What about the pens? pens? Oh. Cut for the
0: pens or geez?
1: No, look, let's not. Hell, I <laughs> <laughs> like just, just comical. Um, yeah, there was, Fulham didn't even realise they were getting a penalty. Um, but so back to your boy Mitro for a second. So Mitro has mm. scored the most league goals out of all the four tiers of English football since the start of last season. So Fulham will get goals. And what I love about Mitro is – like, you can talk about, you know, playing good football and knocking it around and playing out the back, but if you stick a big oaf up top who's going to throw himself about, it's going to cause problems. And I just love I love to see it. Like, he's just so massive. But they…
0: Yeah, you, you can throw all Beals' tactics out. Um, <laughs> just a big he's man. deal with massive Mitro's elbows coming at your face. Yeah, but, he uh,
1: <laughs> but Hector and the boys down back just aren't doing their job. And they just look so easily exposed. I think, like Leeds good on the sh- ball,
0: Hector though, isn't
1: he? <laughs> isn't he good to watch? I love seeing a fullback <laughs> that can play out from the back like that as the strikers run past him. Um, no, look, I think Fulham, Fulham are going straight back down unless they can unless they can do something drastic. But Scotty Parker no, they're, they're should down. have a little bit – he should be a little more street smart, Scott Parker, because like, he's played in some teams that have been battling relegation before, and he should know that they're not going to stay up playing attractive play out from the back, beautiful football. They're going to stay up by going to League 2, bomb it up to Mitro and run off him. Like, tighten it up at the back and just get it up to Mitro and just see what he can do with it.
0: Scott Parker is the best-dressed manager in the league, and in his press conference, um, he said that, I predict that we'll lose more games than we'll win this year. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you spot on, Scott. you spot on there,
1: he will <laughs> lose a shitload more games. Keep going now, to is he getting sacked
0: before Moisey, or what's happening?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is leading the sack race right now.
0: Really? Um, After one game,
1: that's a bit much. No. Oh, Jesus. That's actually a nice segue. So, he's leading the sack race, but I think I think he'll be followed quickly by Billich because I think uh, West Brom were probably a little bit worse than Fulham. And um, Yeah,
0: I, I think there's going to be huge turnovers in managers. I think Scott's in trouble um, because Fulham are just so bad. Um, I think I agree with you that Billich is in trouble. If things can turn really bad at Chelsea or Manchester United really, really fast... Um, and Moisey is skiing downhill big time on these fixtures, and he's in real trouble. So yeah, we could see a lot of um, managers moved on. But I, let's let's move on to. I'll tell
1: you who's not in trouble: uh, the youngster Roy Hodgson. The so, old whipper snapper. we career
0: <laughs> ahead of him if he plays his cards all right. He,
1: uh, he he went out and he had a plan against Manchester United, and they executed it perfectly, and they were six helped-
0: minutes in Townsend.
1: They were helped along by Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, and Dick Lindelof, who were still feeling um, very giving post-COVID, potentially trying to match Marcus Rashford's charity efforts um, by letting the Crystal Palace boys run amok down the back. Absolutely disgraceful performance from Manchester United. So bad. So bad. bad. Like, just out of ideas, the movement was poor. Um, Dan James got the hook at halftime, but it could have been any of the front three. They were absolutely anonymous. Um, Victor Lindelof has this fantastic stat where no one's dribbled past him in 60-odd games or something. You don't need to dribble past him. He's always in the wrong spot. Like, at least if he was dribbled past, he'd be in the right spot to be dribbled past. He was awful. I,
0: he, he was bad. Um, what do you think of the penalty that was given against him? I think that was a little bit harsh. But even if you take that out, still a, a terrible performance.
1: Yeah, I think like I think based on – they set a precedent last week with um, – was it Robin Cock with the penalty where it hit his arm? Like that's the precedent now. Um, and if that's the precedent, that's the precedent. So we've got to go with that. I th- it probably was a little bit harsh, but like it hit him in the arm. It was a – <laughs> like there was no way it was going in. It was a horrendous strike from Awoo. So I'm wondering if he's like, I can't score from here, but I can nah, hit his arm.
0: I'd say I disagree with that. I think that was a cheeky dink, and that could have um gone in over Dayer, and I think it was going over Daya and then going into the um back stick, clipping the back post. I thought it was a decent strike, and um he has done that little um dink a, a few times. So I probably disagree with you there. I
1: don't I? Don't I? Don't know. But um I. Like, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. That's the precedent now. But that call from VAR, like, we're talking millimetres here for David De Gea's foot, and that was a turning point in the game. Like, I think VAR's just gone too far this time.
0: Yeah, so for those who didn't see it, De Gea saved the first one. Um, They played – how long did they play for after that? They played – it felt like two minutes. Eternity. Yeah, which feels like – Two minutes feels like an eternity um, when it's in that situation. Then they called it back and got him to retake it. Um, so he he didn't retake it. Sorry, Zaha took the um, took the second one and just smashed it in. But uh, I think it's dangerous territory, but I think if you're looking at what happened, you could say that De Gea coming forward didn't have a material impact on him saving or not saving. Like whether his stud was touching that blade of grass or not, um, he was still going to save that penalty. Um, but I appreciate that if you move into that territory of, um, oh, this had a material impact, this one didn't, then you just go back to just judging it as a human being, which is what we sort of moved away from with, with VAR. But, I mean, you just got to get, get rid of VAR. Who cares? Just let the boys play. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, I think I think we've just we've turned the game into something just too black and white and areas of grey just aren't appreciated anymore. But, look, I don't want to bang on about VAR because – I'm sure people in England are rioting right now over that. But just going back to Manchester United, no, I don't want to take anything away from Crystal Palace either because Crystal Palace were good for the win. All right, let's just get that 100% out in the open. Crystal Palace tactically, physically, basically in all aspects of the game were the better team. Um, physically
0: especially, yeah.
1: Physically especially. So Paul Pogba had COVID two weeks ago. He played like he still had COVID. Um, tired, out of breath, lazy, passing was shit. Um, but, like, they were just so out of ideas. And then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, like, his selections were just so bewildering. So um, you've got Wilf Zaha, Jordan were running at you, um, and he doesn't play Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who is physically the best defender, like, potentially in the Premier League. As far as tack- one-on-one tackling goes, he's up there with the best of them. He didn't yeah, play… Fossu Fosu played. Fosu Mensah because he thinks he's better on the ball, but, like, Manchester United don't really play through the right and left backs in the same way that Liverpool do. Um, so, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at some point this week decided he was Pep Guardiola and was like, we've got a plan A, now we're going to try plan B. And then he started Dan James, who was absolutely honking, um, and he hooked him at halftime. But, like, again, you're going to have Crystal Palace are going to bank, have two banks of four sitting on their box, and they're happy to do that. That is not a game for Dan James.
0: There's no space for him. No. He, he's fast and he does well when you play on the counter and there's space in behind for him to, to um, get in behind and, and use his pace. But when, you, when you've when got a team that's playing with a low block and two banks of four, as you say, there's no room in behind. What you need is a technician. You need If you could, you'd have two Bruno Fernandes
1: playing. Oh, you've got Mason Greenwood. Who can shoot from
0: distance yeah. and chances are your, your chances are going to be from distance at that place. So he can cut in on his left and, and everyone knows how strong his left foot is and how hard he can hit them. So I agree. Really odd decision there. The other one I thought was a little bit unusual, which a game maybe um, he's just not ready yet, but Scott McTominay starting as well in this game seemed a bit odd, like a defensive midfielder who's just legs for you basically um, to to. Get uh, the work done, so Paul frees him up a little bit. But as you say, if they're playing with a low block and two banks of four, you don't really need Scotty sitting there. I don't think, and he they they didn't really get in trouble um, by not having a, a six sitting in in there. So I don't, I really don't know why he didn't start um, potentially Fred or your boy Donnie
1: Yeah, and like the problem, the problem as you said wasn't up the middle. It was like Wolf Saha would get the ball wide and he just mug off Fosu Mensah and Lindelof. Mm. Like it, it just, like, none of it made sense. And I think that, like, I think Oli just decided this week that he was a master tactician um, and was like, yeah, we'll play around with the squad a bit. But the squad's not that good. Um, and as soon as you start taking out the top-line players, there's a big gap to the next one. Um,
0: yeah, so the, the, they're the two things that I would probably change. But I, I suppose you just don't know what you don't know, right? So is Donnie ready and, and fit? Enough yet? Maybe that's why he didn't start. And then Mason Greenwood obviously had that trouble with um, England last week. So yeah, his he's head right and he's only a young young lad. So maybe he's not um, in the best space to to come back. And potentially he had to quarantine as well. Um, for a portion of the time, so you might have missed some training sessions. I'm just trying to give Ollie the benefit yeah. of the doubt. And the other thing is, um, yeah, Wumble Sucker's uh, fitness, but that's normally not an issue. So I, I think if you've been kind to Ollie, they're probably the three reasons why you wouldn't start those guys. But I agree with you. Um, you should have rolled out um, a different team completely and played a different way. And you can beat Palace rather easily, I think, if you do that.
1: Yeah, I think he just got all the selections wrong, just bewildering. Um, and I think. It just, it just shows, like, again, I think that's the quality of manager that you're dealing with. Like, I think you've got to remember that he's quite unproven. Um, players quite unproven, aren't lining
0: up. Not very good.
1: Yeah, players aren't lining up to play for him. And I think he needs to be very careful pulling this sort of shit because Pochettino and Allegri are both just sitting there waiting. Um, they haven't got roles and they're both world-class managers. So I think he needs to be a little bit more um, aware of what's going on because, like... I don't know if Ed doesn't want to sort of make a fuss, but like forms like that will get you sacked.
0: Yeah, agreed. All right, we might move on to Sonny, Son, Son, Son. Is that enough sons? Four goals <laughs> from Sonny.
1: Four of the best from, from a Southampton defense that just didn't learn.
0: So I watched this game live action and for the life of me, I cannot work out why Southampton play so high. It did not make any sense at all to play with a line that high when your defenders are that slow and Son is that fast. And if you did start like that because you thought you – I can't really imagine what he would have thought, but if you end up do starting like that, there was like five warning shots fired where Son was offside and they broke and I think they scored two or three – or two disallowed goals – um, plus then some was offside like um and he was they were disallowed because he was offside and then um they got called offside like two or three times on that. So there were so many warnings that they were they were too high on that. And um I said I was talking to um online to to a mate who was saying like, Oh, it's working really well. Their their line's nice and high, he keeps getting caught offside and I was like Yes, but what's gonna happen? Sonny only needs to get it right once and then the game's done. You know what I mean? These these defenders have to get it their offside trap perfect all the time. and sure enough they didn't. And and Son, yeah, he broke sprung offside trap. Watch all the goals, all of them offside trap gone gone wrong, and from um Southampton playing a too high line. And when he got in behind, he's just his finishing was so good. The other thing I jotted down here was um if those chances, how it would have fallen to Sterling, I think Sterling finishes that game with like one or two goals. But because Sonny's finishing is so good, he ends up with four. Facts.
1: You just want – any chance to dig the boots into Raheem? Um, no, I'm
0: not digging the boots in. I want him to be better, but he's finishing just terrible, and that's the thing that's separating is, him, um, him from that. Has oh.
1: He hasn't even played this week, mate. Just give him a chance. I'm him. Um sick of him. Raheem, if you're listening, I know you are. Um, I'm still a fan. Um, so, yeah, it was just so confusing. Like they just they just did not learn. But I know Southampton have had some success um, playing that high press against some bigger clubs in the past. So they do they do tend to press very high when teams are trying to play out from the back. But I think they didn't. What they like someone just forgot. This is a Jose Mourinho team. They don't give a shit about playing out from the back. Jose is the ultimate pragmatist, and he's gonna like he'll do that.
0: Yeah. So that's the other thing when you when you're saying that um, they want to press up high, but. It's like it's like the defense pressed all the way up and they played a high line, but then from there, their their midfield, um, like Ward Prowse and then onto their strikers and Danny Ings didn't take that next step. So the the distance between the lines were just so tight, and their whole team was inside such a small space where, as you say, all they did, um, Spurs were play. Direct and try and get him behind, or flick it out to the left or right back, who then just flicked it down the line um, for Son to to run onto. So yeah, crazy tactics by your boy.
1: Yeah, it was it was like I've got a bit of a um, I'm a bit of a fan of rapper (laughs) rather said noodle, but my god, he got this one wrong. Um, But look, good on Son. Um, Four goals is hell of an achievement. and he had, he had an excellent game. Harry Kane picked up four assists too and then tucked one home himself. Good times for and, England.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, you could have assisted Sonny four times. If you can <laughs> strike a ball over top of the defence, you get four assists because that's all Kane was doing. He's just clipping balls over the top and clip whipping balls from out wide into that sort of dead man space between the um, defence and their keeper, which sounds like a tough thing to do with being in between that space. You have to get that ball perfect. Wrong. Their defense is so high. you got an anchor to play that in. You could clip that in. You could Rabona that in. Easy work.
1: Yes, yeah, so it, was, it was easy work for Sun, but I just want to bring your attention to the last player to score four goals for Tottenham was uh, Harry himself against Leicester City. It was a 6-1 win. Um, so that's, that's the monkey off the back for the Foxes. But, look, great work for Jose and the boys. Another big win. Um, and, like, that's that's the shot in the arm they needed to get rid of Deli Alley. So, um, an, exo- an exciting week. It's looking up for Jose. He's a celebrity. I think that hair is going to go less gray if they keep playing like this.
0: Impossible. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the league leaders, Leicester.
1: The league four, leaders.
0: Burnley 2. And as I said to you in my text message, it feels like 06 all over again with Leicester being on top. They were far too good for Burnley, and in their last couple of games, Leicester just—I don't think—have been tested. They sort of cruised around in third gear for most of this game. Um, their passing inside the front third is just, and their interplay inside the front third is just too sharp for these these type of teams. And they just cut them up with with pace and, and interplay. Far too good. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, they were. Another another really good performance from um, Dennis Pratt, I thought. He was really good. And the other player I want to highlight, everyone's talking about uh, like Jamie Vardy's of the world, but Yuri um, Telemans, one of the balls that Yuri Telemans played, oh. I can't remember the goal. That's the ball of the Fucking season. Fucking so unbelievable. Far. Yeah, I've got <laughs>
0: right.
1: that <damn> yeah. <laughs> cool your jets. Um, no, he slipped in, um, I think it was Harvey Barnes, maybe, around the right, who just swung it across and they scored like just He's class. Like he's the best Belgian uh, midfielder in the Premier League since and Fellaini. Like he's that good.
0: Oh, there's another Belgian midfielder. I can't think, think of any. That, <laughs> I can't
1: think of any other Belgians in the Premier League. Nah, he looks um, like
0: Kasper. but you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, no, they were just they were just way too good for him, and they're, they're so slick going forward. Harvey Barnes has come on as something else this season. Like currently, he's. One of the form players in the Premier League, he just breezing past defenders. Um, he keeps and the other thing he keeps popping up in the right spots too. I think he's one in your Raheem Sterling where he needs to start working on his finishing. But like he was so good again.
0: Yeah, um, the the goal you're talking about is um, Leicester's second goal, where um, he threaded it through. Um, to the to the right back um, Castagna and um and then he crossed it in and got clipped and uh, was a own goal.
1: That's right. It was the Kist- Castagna and he played as, he played well again.
0: Yes, good Actually, He's, involved, he's looking very good, yeah. isn't he? Yep. Um and yeah, I think Leicester just breezed past uh, Burnley and, and as you say, I think the interplay was just too too good. But go back and watch um Le- Leicester's second goal. That pass from uh, Tilly was um unbelievable and would really melt your face. I think.
1: So I think we've got to go we've got to go back to here because we've missed um, we've missed the Invincibles. <laughs>
0: Who's that?
1: I we, we, we looking at the Invincibles again.
0: Arsenal <laughs> no. I don't think we are, but I do have I've only got a couple of notes on this one. But um, Arsenal two, West Ham one. Uh, I the main thing I wrote down here was that these are the type of games that going back so I was going to say six months, but it's probably been longer than that since lockdown. But um, when Emery was a the boss, these are the games that Arsenal lost, yeah. went on to lose, um, or or draw with. So, um, which was his biggest criticism is he couldn't get them to win the games that they should have. And they normally did well against the top four, top six. But yeah, it's these games where they're expected to win, um, and they need to go out and win, and they they drop points. So I think that is a bit of a marker for Arteta and what he's trying to do. And I think Arsenal, I'm more impressed by this win than than last week. Um, Even though, yeah, they conceded this week. um, It was a little bit scrappier, but I think that's what they need. They need to win some of these games a little bit scrappier and just become yeah, a a little bit tougher as a team. I think West Ham battled okay, but... I think Arsenal's quality was, was too much for them um, and I am, s- no, I'm not impressed by them yet but I'm starting to. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I thought they were like, again, without being ultra impressive, like these are the games they said you have to win and they did that. Danny um, Dani Ceballos was um, quite impressive, I thought, just very busy um, mm-hmm. and he sort of kept them ticking over and then uh, Fast Eddie comes on and, Tucks one have to win it. <laughs> yeah, but look, the, they're, they're the, doing this enough.
0: This is the type of game. You, this is the type of game where you say you, um, they weren't that impressive. But I think if you're an Arsenal fan, um, I think you, you might be less impressed with Arsenal just passing West Ham to death and, and winning three 0 What would impress you would be, yeah, grinding something out and doing something that they can't do. So I, I think that aspect of it is impressive.
1: Yeah, no, think? I think I think I think you're right. Yeah, because that's something that. Like, I feel like that became fairly popular to say that, um, like Arsenal do that, but they, they do. that. Sometimes they're just irresistible when they play. But like to actually go out and grind a result is something that mm-hmm. you didn't see enough of. Yeah. And like, you've got to be happy because Moisey teams, even though this West Ham team, um, yeah, it's a bit different. But um, yeah, I'd be very happy with that. I thought West Ham were actually okay. Um, they probably lacked a little bit of invention. Um, but Mikel Antonio... Look dangerous, but again, I'm just yeah. I don't know about West Ham.
0: Yeah, so I think if you're West Ham, don't worry that you've lost the first two because um, next up you've got Wolves, then you've got Leicester, then you've got Spurs, then you've got Man City, then you've got Liverpool. So things get better from there.
1: <laughs> so you haven't. You've only lost your first two. You could lose your next five. So don't worry about it. Um. So let's move on to another team that you'd potentially picked for a European adventure. Newcastle. So they were shit. Uh,
0: <laughs> definitely did not pick them. They were rubbish, battered 3-0 by Brighton. And I, they looked like a completely different team to last week. So last week, they they won 2-0. This week, they got battered by Brighton 3-0. Yeah, so that's the main thing I've got written down here is that they just look like a different team. And I think um, your boy, Brucey, Better um, get that out of them, just the being up and down, up and down like that, um, to try and get some consistency and, and yeah, take that next step up the table. Otherwise, they'll find themselves in a bit of a battle again. Um, did you have anything different to that?
1: No, I just I thought um, – so last week I watched Brighton versus Chelsea and I walked away thinking Lamptey was very impressive for Brighton.
0: Yes, um, and on the right This, week, on the side, this yeah. week
1: I walked away from the game going, yep, this like he's so fast and he's like he just pops up he's not great defensively um which like a lot of young right and left backs seem to be getting that criticism but he's so dangerous going forward he is so quick and with the ball at his feet doesn't seem any slower um so I was really impressed with him and I was also impressed with Connolly just off the shoulder there he's he's an honest sort of toiler and he was given Jerome LaSalle's real problems um and the other thing I took away from the game was don't let Alan Saint Maximan defend anywhere near the box. Bad decision. Oh my Jesus!
0: What's he doing? He's <laughs> never going to. That's yeah, that tackle. So he tried to he tried to slide tackle on his on his right side, <laughs> but then tried to hook his right leg from the bottom of his body to do a hook tackle type thing. Oh, hey,
1: yeah. genius! And I- for- him. <laughs> I thought Newcastle were dreadful. Um, and I thought maybe uh, Andy Carroll might um, might be able to pull him out, but he couldn't even win a header in the second half. Poor Andy.
0: Uh, the divine ponytail Andy couldn't do
1: anything. <laughs> no, just not their week. So, look, that's this week. So we've still got um, a couple of good games to come, actually. Villa versus Sheffield United. That should be an absolute doozy um, if you're willing to get up for it. No, uh, I, no, I am not. Might catch myself a mini match later. But our uh, Wolves Man City is definitely worth watching, which is um, a nice segue into our transfer chat. I think.
0: Yep, it is. And what a week it has been in the um, transfer market, huh?
1: So. Always gets me. Um, so, Wolves have gone out and they've lost a Portuguese player and they have immediately gone straight back into the market to sign a Portuguese player. <laughs> so, Nelson Semedo apparently is going to be uh, locked up for Wolves tomorrow from Barcelona. So, I think that's a good signing from Wolves. He's oh, very oh, fast. Great signing.
0: Him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what, what's the price on this? I think 41, is that right?
1: I, I don't know, I thought it was 29, but he's fast, he's Portuguese, he fits all of the criteria of a wolf signing. Um, it's,
0: yeah. He's a bit raw. The, he's a bit raw. I think it shows the state of the um, world that we're in where w- wolf, Wolves, Wolves mm-hmm. and Hampton Wanderers can go to Barcelona and say, hey, we'll take you right back, you the money, and he goes. It just, it's crazy. I, I think the thing that's tripping this up at the moment or just on hold is the, the wages, so... Obviously, um, they've got to match his wages from Barcelona and he doesn't play for free over there. So I, th- I see that as the only stumbling block, but as long as they can um, agree to terms there, yeah, this will go through and a great signing by Walls, And it really says something about Barca for me.
1: Yeah, and apparently um, Samedo was not friends with Messi and Sergio Roberto was. So that sort of spelled the end for Nelson Semedo. Well,
0: oh, that's it. Nothing more to say then. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> and, uh, so he passed the message up to the board, and they just got it done. But no, great signing for Wolves. Um, it's a it's a real pity that they lost potentially. Um, I think one of their best players. And what I like about this signing, which I'm going to get to in a second, is that if I was to think of a player who from any other team in the Premier League who could fit into Liverpool's team and fit into Liverpool's style, and I really had to think about it, I'd be like. Diego Jota. And who did they go out and get this week? On the, on the sly, might I add, just let Thiago take all the headlines, and then they've picked up Diego Jota from Wolves.
0: Yeah, what good signing. will have a lot of games to play, so he will be needed, um, I think, if uh, Firmino goes goes down or really any of the front three. You can play, you can play across that whole front line, can't he? Um So, yeah, good signing. And pacey too, which is what I like. He He's wasn't a workhorse wasn't getting a lot of game time at um at Wolves was he didn't start every week. So No, nah, but I
1: think he was in a bit of a bit of a war with Trora. I think he was the preferred option. Um but yeah since the last couple of weeks he hasn't been in the starting lineup I think with um Danny Pateo Paheo coming in. Yeah. I think um,
0: oddly but- enough he's gonna start more games at Liverpool than he, he was at Wolves, which is a bit a bit unusual. So yeah, good good signing by Liverpool and they did fly under the radar um, what about Mendy to Chelsea? Um, going to yeah. go through? Do you think?
1: What's yeah. So this week, this week's show is called the Kepa Tribute Show because he's done. So um, we're doing it's a done. bit of a bit of a farewell to Kepa. Uh, Mendy comes in. Look, he is a massive unit. Um, he's I think he's about six foot six. Um, so he'll come in. He'll straight away <laughs> command the Premier League. Uh, Commander Premier League, 18-yard box. He's 28, so he's got some runs on the board. He's got eight caps for Senegal. Um, bit of a late bloomer, but he had a relatively good season last year. Uh, but I think like, I think the reason they're signing him is because like, he's obviously a good keeper, but he's also a really commanding presence, which Kepa is not. Um, Kepa's so,
0: quite the opposite, isn't he? He looks a bit frail. Yeah. I look, yeah.
1: So he, he'll come straight in the starting lineup. I think he'll probably start this week.
0: I agree uh, if, he, if they can get him in I think you would start him straight away but the other thing I'm, I said earlier was you'd have to move Keppa out completely I just I just think that he was right away there um if he sits on the on the bench and potentially become a little bit toxic um but what about Daally alley where is he going
1: oh, Dele. Dele. if someone had said to me which player it's isn't going to get along with Mourinho, I would have said Da alley and for some reason, it just hasn't worked out for Delhi, So he's been left out of the last two match day squads um, and apparently could be off to PSG. So I don't actually think this is going to happen. What do you yeah,
0: reckon? I just think – well, I don't think it's going to happen because if you're Dele Ali, why, why would you do that? I think you, you're trying to play – um, get back to where you were and play um, play for England. And um, one of the biggest things is that you generally have to play in the Prem to do that. And um, so why wouldn't you try and stay where you are? I, I'm not sure if there is a problem with um, him and Mourinho. I think when Mourinho first got there, he had a run of games that Daly, um, I think I mentioned this earlier on another pod, that he actually did really, really well. And Was was scoring goals. Uh, assisting and, and doing really well. I think Mourinho doesn't like his training style. As I said, I'm watching the Spurs doco at the moment and he mentions that a few times. Um, and actually, the other thing I want to say on that is Dalia has got that daft earring on the Spurs documentary. Everyone check that out. Um, so I think I would love to see Ali stay. I'd love to see him sort of get back in Mourinho's favour. But it's it's from the outside, it seems so easy to get on Mourinho's side. He's just a Little bit of shithousery in the games, kick someone and, and work his socks off in training. It doesn't seem that difficult. So, and he's definitely got the talent. So, I, I'd like to see him, um, yeah, sort himself out there and not go to PSG.
1: Do you think he thinks he's good enough to play at PSG? Yep. Do you think he is good enough to play at PSG? No, no. I just no, don't think so- in,
0: the, in the real, real big games at PSG say Champions League semi-finals um, semifinals and quarterfinals when they get to that stage. I can't see him getting picked. I think I see him go to the French league and doing quite well and scoring goals, but I think most people in most people in the top line of the Premier League, if you're in the top sort of set of teams in the Premier League and you go to PSG, you'll score goals. So
1: Yeah, I just don't think you thing can thing. rely on him. I just don't think I don't think this makes sense for PSG. That's not an area that they're struggling with. Um, I think he'll be. I think he'll be at another Premier League club in the next few weeks, because um, I think once Mourinho's is done with you, you're better off just leaving. Because I know Luke Shaw outlasted Mourinho, but I feel like um, it'd take a lot for Daniel Levy to sack someone. So I reckon you're better off getting out of there now.
0: Fat Boy Shaw, yeah, he hung on, um, didn't he? Despite Mourinho calling him a fatty. Um, <laughs> But yeah. I don't know, I think Mourinho's sort of making noises about how his squad's too big, so that's weird like for every other every other presser I've ever seen him do, um the game there's too many games and this and um and um not enough players and all these players are injured, he needs more bigger squad, he needs more money in the transfer window, and now his squad's too big. So <laughs> you just can't keep the big boy happy.
1: I miss the good old days when he was starting the two keepers on the bench
0: a <laughs> message to the chairman.
1: Just yeah, just the cool. I don't know how he's going to say the squad's too big. Maybe he'll have more all sitting behind the bench and be like, oh, what am I going to do with these guys? Um, but he's thinning it as we speak. So um, Serge Aurier, one of your favourites, is off to Spartak, Moscow. So we've received mailbag about Serge Aurier um, from Spurs fans in the past and they were wondering if Serge was a problem. Serge is a problem. Um, but now he's moving to Moscow. What do you think?
0: Well, I think it's a good idea if you're out of favour with Mourinho. Um, so, and he wasn't exactly um, taking the Premier League by storm. So, I think um, Spartak normally pay pretty well as well. So, I think it's a, a positive move for him and and why not move on? What Take the think?
1: rubles and get out of there. Yeah, good on you, Serge. Thanks for coming. Um, you're a defensive liability, which is never a good sign for a right back. All the best over there. And they've, um, I think they've moved on from you. So, the last one I wanted to bring your attention to was... Uh, it was my cracking joke last week, which is Leicester pay over for under, And so and Leicester have signed, <laughs> so Leicester have signed uh, Turkish winger from Roma on loan under. So what I like about this one is there's a preview video on Leicester's Twitter and he looks about 12 years old. He looks like a kid on his first day of school. He's like, hi, I'm under." <laughs> <laughs> we'll, po- we'll, we'll post it up on Instagram later. It's just, it's just so ridiculous, and um, it looks like he's gonna. He'll get bullied on the training ground a fair bit, I'd say. But look, good signing, young talented winger. Um, but <laughs> you've got to see the video. It's just so stupid.
0: Um, he's got a hammer of a left foot, and um, he scored some great goals for Roma. So yeah, he has. Big yes, yes.
1: He has. No, it'll be good. It'll be good. All right, so I think we might have to go and have a look at our mailbag.
0: Oh, is it that time already, is it?
1: It is that time already.
0: Let's do it. You've got mail. You've got mail.
1: Whoa, oh, it's been a massive week for the mailbag. Um, we have forgotten the last couple of shows to look at it. But, look, we have two that are recent and relative for this week. So the email address there is gmail.com So we have two of our lovely listeners have emailed in i've got one from gate it says oh, hey boys three star fan five star man yeah good on you <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeez, that sounds overstated
1: uh, Yeah, it does um so then it's a three-pointer so get ready for oh, this Sean. yeah
0: but, but i can't answer them all at the end i forget all get the questions it, so i'll do one by out. one let me do right. one by one
1: all right so question one are we watching Go. arsenal invincibles 2.0 no next all right, I'm going to also answer no. So number two, could Man you do the unthinkable and go undefeated this dot, dot, dot? Oh, wait, they lost their first game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know who wrote this email, but um, yeah, download a um, couple of apps, mate, or Google some stuff because, um, yes, they lost their first game. They were horrendous. So <laughs> I feel like he's taking a shot at you by saying that. Yeah, in. So we, can't, we obviously encourage that.
1: That's, a, that's quite a personal attack. Um, sure. So number three, I do enjoy a personal attack normally. Number three, one thing that's annoyed me about COVID football is how much commentators still talk about home and away records. Surely they're as meaningless as, you, as a United title challenge.
0: Yeah, a clever <laughs> question. Um, no, that's a good question. The, I don't know if you need the jab at the end, but I do enjoy it. Um, yeah, it does seem a little bit un- unusual there, that they sort of bang on about th- those records. I suppose there's obviously the f- no fans in there is going to have an impact to the home team, but take that out, so it's sort of some people might think it sort of goes back to an, an, almost a neutral ground. But I just don't think so. Like if you what the other thing you got to factor in is um, travel. Um, I know England's not massive, but essentially you do have to stay in a a hotel or take a bus or a quick flight or something like that. So I think that that does have an impact. And even even in the changing rooms, just having your own changing rooms and some familiar um, features around the ground, just, yeah, it does feel like a, a more of a regular match day when you're playing at home, I think. What do you think on that? Has that got any merit or not?
1: Um, I, th- I don't think it's completely meaningless, but it certainly tapers down. Um, so, <laughs> a couple of good examples here. The other, the one you spoke about before with Mason Greenwood, where um, you know you're trying to protect him and start him on the bench because um, yeah, because he had this problem with the England. It doesn't matter. Like, I think the biggest thing about that would be the crowd giving him a stick, and for a young bloke, that might get on him. But there's no one there, so maybe mm-hmm. you'd hear maybe you'd hear someone from the bench having a go at you, but um, you're probably going to get that anyway. So I think it's it tapered down a bit. The other thing is, I think. Um yeah, it's not it's not as significant. So like if you're playing Liverpool um in front of the cop, like that's quite daunting. Like, you know, having all those toothless Liverpool fans yelling at you from over the fence. Oh, come um, on, sorry, sorry, some of them have had the surgery and got other people's teeth. But look, no, like having them yelling at you, I think it is a big deal. Um so I do I think you're right about you know the creature comforts and that, but I don't know. I found, like going back to the cop thing as well. Someone said, "Oh, Daniel Harrison's tucked one home away for Leeds in front of the cop. Who cares? It's empty." Like. Um, no one gives a shit. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a factor, but it's not it's not completely meaningless. I think you still have to get you know the travel and etc. But yeah, it's a good question. Glad you're thinking about the game, Jake, because some of the context of your email makes me think you're not. Um, so we'll move on to our next email. So this is a this is a much more polite one um, from a more favoured listener. So. It's from Salmon, Happy Monday, guys! With the James brothers now both lighting up the Premier League, Chelsea and Everton. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I was wondering your thoughts on the best siblings ever to grace the Premier League. Your biggest fan, Salmon, Sean. Yours. Oh, uh, good to hear
0: good to hear from Salmon, isn't it? Always it
1: really is. It is. Um, the oh, its Um. First question. First question is who are the brothers? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we might dissect that a little bit, um, but I, I believe one um, is from a certain Caucasian descent, and oh no, he's a bit Latin, isn't he?
1: Very much Latin. If you talk about Jimmy, Jimmy Rodriguez,
0: yeah, and um, and pronounced slightly different with a uh, Hamaz. The other one um, is more of an African flavour. So. Um, yeah, Reese James, I presume he's talking about from from Chelsea, the right back who scored an absolute cracker last week, actually. Um, so yeah, brothers from another mother, you know I maybe. Mean? <laughs> but, but it's got to be the Neville brothers, doesn't it? Your all time favourite has to be.
1: Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say yes to the Neville brothers, but I'm just gonna run you through a list of brothers that have played in the Premier League. So starting with Colo and Yaya Toure.
0: Yep. Uh, Liverpool legend and now the assistant gaffer at Leicester.
1: Yaya's playing. Yaya's still playing, um, and he he's also sending some <laughs> risky text messages around. <laughs> oh, come on,
0: mate. he's playing um, charity games.
1: <laughs> down. So then you got Raphael and Fabio de Silva, um, mm-hmm. Scholler and Sammy Abiyobi, your favourite Sean and Bradley Wright Phillips. Yep. Andre and uh, MLS all-time
0: top goalscorer, probably yeah.
1: Christian and Jonathan Benteke, and then finally probably the oh, most. I remember famous Jonathan Benteke? Yeah, not many do. Not many do. He's better forgotten. <laughs> but what about but, <laughs> so the Ami Obis, they were great. But I think they're still playing as well. Oh, Scholler might have retired now. But I think Sammy's still kicking about, maybe for not in the long, forest. Longstaffs? The Longstaffs. That's where I was getting to.
0: Oh, of course you were, mate. It's the longest <laughs> throw ever, but I got it.
1: Ah, the sunburnt Longstaffs. So look, they'd have to be my favourite brothers. What a cracking goal he scored against Man United and never to be seen again. So good on you. I'll go with the Longstaffs. Well,
0: Longstaffs is your favourite, it?
1: Oh, they they will be. They Once Mike sells them for a pretty penny.
0: Yeah, he'll do that, won't he? All right. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. One Hang last
1: on. thing, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. So let's talk Jeez. through Colos multi.
0: Tough day for the big fella, isn't it?
1: Tough day for everyone. It's two weeks in a row. Never looked likely, I think was my comment last week, and that rang true. Nowhere
0: near it. Have you got his multi handy? I'm just trying to track it uh,
1: Don't have it with me. I'm not willing to look, but I believe it was Southampton to beat Spurs. Um, It was Fulham to Oh, here we go. Lead. No, I've got,
0: it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. So, Southampton versus Spurs was his first one. He had Southampton. Yep. Uh, they got battered 5-2. So Absolutely that's battered. Leeds and Fulham, he had a draw. So, that are, he was pretty close on that, 4-3. It wasn't, even, it
1: wasn't a close 4-3. Yeah. Go
0: on. And then he had um Everton West Brom. He picked that one, but uh, we were obviously dead in the water by then. So... Yeah, we've got uh, one out of three. So again, that pays pays nothing. Pays nothing again. Actually, <laughs> so we down twenty uh,
1: five bucks. So we've uh, got to work. Pick so. it up,
0: mate. Pick it up, mate. All right. Any more? For any more? We done.
1: No, that's it. Enjoy the football tomorrow.
0: Cheers. Five star ratings on um, on Apple will be great. See you guys.